Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 379 for Tuesday, the 23rd of December 2014. Hard to believe we're here. Merry Christmas. Uh, Tonight, I've got something really exciting we're going to be trying out. We're going to convert this, an iPod Touch, any iDevice with iOS 8. We're going to convert it into a live video camera feed for Telestream Wirecast. You don't want to miss out on this. Stick around. Sasha's here. Sasha, what's going on over in the newsroom? Hi, Ravi. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. A blast furnace at a German steel mill suffered massive damage following a cyber attack on the plant's network. A nuclear power plant in South Korea is facing threats from hackers who have demonstrated that they have access to their network. In a quest to purge spammers from Instagram, millions of users' accounts have been shut down. International Space Station needed a wrench, so we emailed them one, which they then printed on a 3D printer. And are you a super spy looking for a great phone? The self-destructing Boeing Black, made in partnership with BlackBerry, may be for you. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show and Merry Christmas. Uh, if you are into Christmas music, uh, make sure you tune in, uh, go back in time a little bit to episode number 275. That's when the uh, on-air team of Category 5 Technology TV did a, uh, a little musical for you, singing all of your favorite Christmas songs. Uh, so again, that is episode number 275 if you'd like to go back and, uh, and see our Christmas special. Uh, Category 5, Technology TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and also the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. That's cat5.tv slash IAIB. Well, Sasha. Yes, Ravi. How's your week been? My week's been excellent. Getting ready for the big old holidays. Good. We've got a lot of exciting stuff uh, in the works here at Category 5 TV for the new year. We've got a couple new shows uh, coming. Do you want to tell our viewers a little bit about what's coming up from over there on the Chroma Key set? We are, well, what's coming up is a new show called Try It, Buy It, which I guess is launching in the beginning of January. And it's going to be me reviewing <laughs> all the newest gadgets and gizmos. It'll be exciting and fun, and uh, I get to learn some new things. Very cool. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. If you're on Roku, uh, make sure you register to uh, on our channel. Actually, just add our channel to your Roku device, um, and you'll be able to tune into all those uh, all the new features, the new shows that are going to be coming in uh, 2015. Uh, 
So we're excited about Category 5 growing, and, and uh, the network is, is going to be introducing some new shows. We've got a lot on. I, I wish I could tell you everything that we're working on, uh, but uh, Sasha's show will be the first uh, out the gate on January 6th. Um, speaking of Roku, can I say, if you are just uh, tuning in on Roku for the first time because perhaps you got one for Christmas, well, welcome to the platform. It's a great device. It allows you to connect your TV uh, to internet broadcasts and be able to tune in to shows from all over the world. Category 5 TV broadcast from Canada. And uh, we, uh, we love having you here. It's a free broadcast. You can tune in every week. We broadcast live every Tuesday night, which you can tune in on your Roku device. Uh, we, tune, uh, we broadcast at 7 o'clock Toronto time uh, in the evening, so feel free to tune in live, or of course you can catch it on demand uh, through our channel. Or if you're not on Roku, check out our website, category5.tv. There it is for you, www.category5.tv. Sorry, Sasha, you had something to say as well. Well, is it snowing behind me? Look at that. Welcome to Canada, eh? Oh, well. Robbie, is there any chance you could change that up? Oh, Throw in maybe the balloons. There you go. There's balloons. What's with the balloons, Sasha? Well, the balloons are for a very special message. Jot, happy birthday. It's Jot's 40th on Sunday. Wow. So that's completely separate, obviously, from Christmas. Two massively big holidays all in one month. <laughs> I didn't realize. This is awesome. I didn't realize that Jot's birthday is a holiday, but I t- I'll take it. Yeah. I'm taking it. Jot, hey, man. Happy birthday. Jot, of course, is a, uh, a longtime community member of Category 5 TV, a longstanding viewer of the show, big fan of the show, a uh, big helper as well, one of our, uh, our viewer volunteers who contributes a lot of time to making the show happen and making the community uh, what it is. So, Jot, we appreciate you. We wish you a very, very happy birthday, and thanks for being a part of the show. I will, say, I will say Jot absolutely is a constant sort of su- source of support for me. All the time. Always has a nice thing to say in the chat room and uh, gets me through all of my nerves. So, so <laughs> thanks, Jot. And awesome. happy birthday. All right. So tonight we've got uh, a fair bit to cover. Uh, before I get into it, if you've got a mobile device, don't forget m.cat5.tv. is probably going to come up right on me. Tonight. Whoa. There it is. m.cat5.tv. Scan that code. Uh, that's how you can get onto our mobile site. Uh, we're working on a, a new design. We're going to be doing some really cool things, so you want to add that to your dashboard, the home screen on your phone, and uh, that will give you access to us uh, live and on demand uh, through your mobile device. Okay, well, tonight I'm going to show you, speaking of mobile devices, this is cool. I want to show you how we can turn one of these, and we're going to get you on, on, on camera here, Sasha. I'm going to show you how to turn an iDevice into a camera source for Telestream Wirecast. There's a lot to be said about uh, the ability to broadcast live, and Category 5 TV, as you know, is a live broadcast. Let's get this iPod Touch out of the new case here. Let's see what, There we go. Designed by Apple. It's really hard to get out, and then you can't close it without snapping the case. There we go. They've come a long way, though. I mean, 1080p video camera, not bad. Uh, it, it does pretty good with the autofocus. It's got uh, automatic uh, exposure levels on the camera. So it's it's pretty decent that way. If I pull up the camera, and I can't really zoom in here tonight uh, because our... There you go. Hey. So good real-time camera. Um, but what we can do with Telestream Wirecast 6 is we can, in fact, set an iOS 8 device 
as a camera source. Before the question comes up, I know it's going to come up. Can you do that with Android? Well, unfortunately, the app that is available from Telestream is brand new on iOS, not yet available uh, on the Android platform. However, it's been alluded to that perhaps they may be working on that. Whether or not this is something that we're going to see soon, we don't really know. It's kind of hush-hush. However, it does work on iOS 8, and for you Android users out there, you can install IP camera apps uh, that will, in fact, turn your phone into an IP camera, which, again, can be used as a source in Telestream Wirecast. Well, why does it matter, then, if you can use it as an IP camera? So it works with Android, technically. Uh, why would you use a separate Telestream app? Well, the fact is, is it's really, really simple to set up. You can have, let's say you're in a church, and you've got a, a Wirecast um, set up running. That's a camera switcher. Uh, if you want to learn more about it so that you know exactly what I'm talking about, go to cat5.tv slash Wirecast, just like it sounds. Uh, what's nice about it is, let's say you're in a church environment or a concert environment, concert hall or something like that, where you've got a centralized server that is running the uh, camera switcher. And you've got a bunch of people who have shown up, and you know whether they be uh, uh, parishioners or whether they be concert goers or whoever they may be, they've got their iPhones in their pockets. So you say, well, install this app, and I can use your phone as a camera source. And so they're standing in the concert, they're holding up their phone, and all of a sudden you can pull that phone wirelessly into Wirecast. That's kind of neat. I'm going to show you, without wasting too much time, I'm just going to jump right into how is this done. So let's give it a go. Install the Wirecast Cam app. Okay, searching for Wirecast Cam on the App Store. Okay. See if it does it. There we go. Wirecast Cam. I'm going to hit the button to install, and this is going to pull it down through, uh, through the iTunes Store. There we go. Let's see how long this takes. We're doing this in real time. It's already done. Okay, so I'm going to open that. Wirecast Cam. Sorry that I can't really zoom in here, but uh, how cool is that? Okay, so it's, it's up and running by default. Okay, that's it. It's just a camera, right? My iPod Touch is on the Wi-Fi network, so that's the caveat tonight. But I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of the options that are available to you. But right now, it's so super easy because I'm already on the Wi-Fi network. I've installed the app. It took, what, 10 seconds? Easy peasy, right? So let's jump over to Telestream Wirecast and say, okay, now that I've got my camera, let's go Sources, New Wirecast Cam, the third option down. And that's going to give me this window here. There you go. And all I want to do is just type in my IP address. So for me, oh, and I should back up just really, really briefly here. How do we know our IP address on our phone? On our, and this, I'm using an iPod Touch 5. It can be an iPhone. It can be an iPad. It's got to have iOS 8. That's the only thing. But uh, as long as you've got iOS 8 and it's an iDevice, you're going to be able to do this just as easily. I'm going to hit the little settings indicator here, which allows me to set the resolution. Right now, uh, by default, it's gone to 720p. Um, it's streaming audio from the camera. Uh, I can turn that off. I may want to actually turn that off because... I don't want to have two cam uh, audio sources. And then if you scroll down here, you see the bit rate is 2,500 kilobits per second. It can go up to 4,000 in the current uh, mode. It can go up to 6,000 if you go to 1080p mode. Um, and then it shows your IP address, which for me is 192.168.1.103. 
It's there. Believe me. Maybe I'll screen grab it or something so I can post it in later. However, we know that it's 103. So now, taking that information from Wirecast Cam, just by heading, hitting the uh, settings gear indicator, let's go back to Telestream Wirecast. Sources, new Wirecast Cam. I'm going to drag this window down onto your screen for you. And over here on IP address, I'm going to hit 192.168.1.103. And then hit connect. If all went well, there we go. So now, my that camera, I, I was just holding that up just like that. So let's see, see, that's all I'm doing. Jump back at, uh, let's go back to Telestream Wirecast and look at this. All I have to do now is over here on the right-hand side from where I am, I'm going to hit that little plus indicator and, type, and press uh, add Wirecast Cam 1 shot or whatever camera shot it's pulling in. It's called it Cam 1, I believe. There we go. So now you can see that there is a new icon at the, bo at the left there that is me in real time on the uh, iPod. I'm going to touch it. Touch it. There we go. There we so go. one of the things that you so notice right away is that there is a bit of a latency, even though I'm running in low latency mode. It's no, not terrible. It's not terrible. But it is noticeable. But it is so, noticeable. How so, well does this work? How well does this work? Oh, hey, Sasha. Oh, hey, Sasha. Oh, hi, Ravi. Let's go back to... Let's go back to... switch back to camera mode. So I can actually see on the screen here. I'm. It's just loading there. So I can see on the screen the camera view, and it's absolutely perfect. So switching back to the camera, see that? It's as simple as that. So I can walk around. It's absolutely wireless. Huh? And there we go. Okay, so how well does it work? Well, it's kind of crazy because it's... Notice we can't do vertical video. Wirecast has made it so that you cannot. That's good. There we mm -hmm. go. Looks good. Welcome to Studio D, folks. This is the Category 5 Technology TV studio. There's our camera uh, rolling tonight without an operator. Uh, it's Christmas, and people are, uh, are off. So, uh, But this is the studio space that we're working in, our interview area over there. I feel like I'm, I'm still confined because, you know, that's kind of tied into the space with my wire. But, right. Sasha, why don't I... Could I do take the phone, Yeah, do you want to take this? Let me just... So let's hand this over to Sasha. All well, hello. right. Hello. Okay, let's turn this around. Okay. Go for a little bit of a walk. Right. All right. Welcome to the studio, so, folks. And uh, this now is... I can so give, now I can give a little bit of a tour of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. There's the teleprompter and the teleprompter. everything else. So you, you're pretty flexible as far as moving mm -hmm. around. I mean, yeah, I've got a little bit more slack, I think. Ah, uh, yes. Perfect. Okay. So latency-wise, you see that my voice and the camera are not in sync. Now, that's, of course, it's going through, um, it's going through um, compression and then through the wireless and then decompression at the wirecast end. So it's not perfect as far as the synch synchronization of the video with the audio. There you go. But what you can do is you can actually use, you notice how I turned off the, uh, the microphone aspect of the camera itself. So let's say you were filming in an environment where um, you could use that as the camera source, the sole camera source. It's an opportunity you, to turn on that camera. Now, of course, that camera becomes your source. Okay? So that, that, that works fairly well. So Sasha, thank you for showing that around. <laughs> 
Awesome. There we go. Yeah, it's so wireless. That's so incredible. Portable. You can so see how shaky convenient. my hands are, though, when yeah, I'm holding really. it. Wowzers. Uh, another thing to mention, <laughs> with this, we can actually zoom in. That's a pinch zoom. And it's it's a little rocky, but that's to be expected. But it does kind of have a sense that it has a little bit of a stabilization effect happening once I zoom in. When I'm zoomed completely out, there is absolutely no, none of that. Uh, but right now, it kind of feels like there is a little bit. Uh, but that's that's just with a pinch zoom. I can do that with my fingers. That's kind of cool. Um, so essentially, not really great for an environment where you've got to do live speech. Oh, and I didn't, sorry, I didn't realize that I'm, there you go. Sorry, I had that still on. Um, it, it's not great in a, an environment where, you know, you're pointing at the person who's speaking and using a separate audio source. See, that's what's happening. That's why there's a sync delay. Because I'm using a microphone that's on my head. And this is streaming the video through Wi-Fi. It's doing the compression. There's no wire. And so it's not actually perfect real time. There is a little bit of a delay. So as I was saying, you can turn on the audio here, forget about the microphone that's on your head, and the audio would be in perfect sync with the video because it's coming from the same device down the same chain. So where does that work? Can we think of where that would work? Obviously... In an environment like this, it doesn't because I'm not going to use uh, an iPod Touch microphone for the show. That's silly. We've got better sound from these. So where does it work? Well, think about this. Sasha, what would it be like if we had an iPhone with internet connectivity mm-hmm. and the ports in our firewall rerouting to Telestream Wirecast right. and somebody was on location? Oh, that would be perfect. Like an on-the-street interview. Yeah. So you're on location at wherever it may be, Mm -hmm. like you say, on the street, asking people, you know, what do you think about Linux? And hold this out. Well, let's throw over to Hillary Rumble. And she's got her iPhone out and is able to simply do it like this because she is using the built-in microphone of the iPhone or the iPod Touch or the iPad. Right. The voice will be synced to the video absolutely perfectly because she's not using a separate audio source so it also works for b-roll so it would work just fine for hey everybody check out our new coffee mugs uh Mm -hmm. make sure you pick these up in the store they're available at shop.category5.tv i should probably look at the screen so i pointed at the right spot but so i could do that kind of thing b-roll right because you're not seeing my lips move you don't actually know that i have such a uh, lack of um, synchronization Right? So I can point at inanimate objects. Say, hey, check out our awesome mouse from Thermaltake. And I can go like that and say, there's our camera shot of the mouse. Right? Wow. So it could work for those kinds of things too. I'm sure you've got some ideas of where you could use this. If you're interested <laughs> in broadcasting, one of the shows that we're working on is actually a show to help uh, people to broadcast, be it church services or uh, community events, fundraisers weddings, things like that. So I'm working on developing another show for Category 5 TV Network uh, that's going to be teaching how to do all those kinds of things. And this will be a part of that. Um, so that's uh, it's kind of exciting to see how technology is pushing in that direction. There's a question in the chat room about yes. the camera itself. Can you switch between the rear and the front cameras on the device while you're using it? Okay, so let's jump back over to our Wirecast cam. This is on an iPod Touch. So on the screen, I've got some controls, uh, which I can't really show you tonight. And that's, uh, you know, that's 
the unfortunate thing. And that's where, let's see, that's where um, you can see over here, we've got some controls. So one of those controls is in fact to flip and watch what happens here. When I hit that, it's, it's actually going to, well, okay, so I'm actually looking at myself now. So if I switch back to this camera, you'll see you're looking at the back of the camera now. Okay, so what you're seeing here on screen is your selfie. So yeah, works what? just fine. There you go. So I was able to flip around. The other thing that you have control over in uh, Telestream Wirecast, uh, Wirecast Cam app um, is, so if I switch back to the forward-facing camera and then I hit this button here, it of course turns on the light. So now I've got that forward illumination if I need it. So I can do... You know, I can light things up a little bit better. So that's kind of cool. All right. Any other questions in the chat room? We welcome them. Mm-hmm. So, well, Rev D. Jenk is wondering if this would be uh, usable in situations um, yeah. like on location, on location. or interviews. Um, interviews, I don't think it would work if you had a separate audio source. Right. Right. Uh, at least live. Right, you could post-produce the audio in. Right, it would work if I knew I was going to be connected, but I was going to be away to do something, sort of streaming the yeah. news. Then, if like I was on a beach, or, sure. You know. So if you're on a beach and you want to do a, a what we call a cut-in, mm-hmm. um, you could use your iPhone and you could make that cut-in. Use the built-in microphone, or, of course, here's another thing to consider: what about a Bluetooth headset? Uh, what about sticking a jawbone on there? And using that mm-hmm. as your audio source, or perhaps just a microphone that plugs into the accessory port and be able to, in fact, stream much better audio by using a lapel or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So you could do a lot with this, and you can see that the quality is, is quite excellent. Now, I'm just doing it at 720p, but it is, you know, it is really good. And I'll demonstrate just a little bit about how good this camera focuses and things like that. So if I just kind of touch the screen, it tells it to focus on that F key, right? Focus on the F key, and it will actually grab a pretty good focus. And and it's so crystal clear that you can see the dirt between my keys. That's kind of crazy. But <laughs> there you go. And the audio, auto uh, li- uh, white balancing and uh, exposure levels, you can see that happen. If I click on the desk, you'll see the difference. If I click on the iPhone case, see the difference? Desk, iPod case, desk. It goes a bit darker. And that's all automatic too. So if I touch the screen, I'm choosing my focal point which right now is the camera. I'm going to change it to the white wall. There you go. I can change it to the door in the background, and it's actually changing the focus. Right? Now, so I can do a lot with it. With the green screen, what yes. happens then? Like, can you? Is there a program where you would be able to then quickly... Actually integrate, s- integrate chroma green, key yeah. using this? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so we're in Telestream Wirecast. It's a, it's a valid question. It's a, an interesting question, eh? So in Telestream Wirecast, let's jump back to it. Let's bring up our shot editor and throw this down here. So this is the this is the cam here in my hand, mm-hmm. wireless. And let's highlight and go right. use chroma key. Okay. That is the exact opposite <laughs> of what we wanted to delete. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've completely lost Sasha, but the green <laughs> is still active. I'm very okay. albino. So uh, can we can we risk it while we're live? Like Let's it. try picking the green screen. There we go. Oh, excellent. Okay. So chroma key is 
actually really it actually works really well really good whoa look at it. sasha's at the desk with me i'm i'm holding this in my can uh in my hand oh wow that's just that's just creepy wow okay let's throw a background on there and tell a stream wirecast uh what do we want to give you uh, what, do, what do we have? Let's see. Do we have We've a got, warm, something warm? Want to throw you in a starscape? Sure. I don't have anything. That's not really warm, warm at all. <laughs> throw you in the stars. There okay. you go. Okay. So now, <laughs> there she is. So now anything that's green has become that starscape. So, and that is done live with a handheld. That's incredible. Wireless camera. How do you like that? Just like that. Wow. I'm just holding this out. Whoa. So yes. Live chroma key is possible with uh, with our iPod. So I consider, think about this, it's a 1080p camera, and it does pretty good video. It really does for what it is. You think about action cams and the little tiny lenses, there are um, some issues with having such a small lens. If you get a smudge on it, all of a sudden you wonder, well, why is everything so blurry? And then you realize, oh, <laughs> right? But that's, that's what it is. So um, fact is, for... 200 or 300 bucks you're getting a 1080p camera that you can take anywhere and as long as you've got uh, now this is an ipod touch i'm talking about iphones of course are more expensive but iphones you can literally take anywhere because you've got your lte internet so you can use it as a camera from anywhere um, so in, instead think about an ipod touch about two or three hundred dollars and the ability to use it as long as you've got wi-fi so anywhere we go has Wi-Fi. You go to a coffee shop, you've got Wi-Fi. You go anywhere, you've got Wi-Fi. So you're able to simply start broadcasting from that location. You can get tripod mounts for about three dollars, uh, and uh, that will give you the ability to actually set your phone up on a tripod and do a remote cut-in. Would uh, you ha- would you have to have a Windows operating system to run the program? Yeah, Rever- Telestream Wirecast Rever- itself. So I'm running Wirecast six, and that's the version and beyond that that is required in order to use Wirecast Cam. Uh, It is a Windows-only application. So as you can see, I'm running it here on Windows 7. Uh, It does also operate on Windows 8, uh, but uh, we're on Windows 7, and it is strictly a Windows application. However, you can also get it for Mac. Uh, There is, but I I understand the question is, uh, between the lines is, does it run on Linux? And the answer, unfortunately, is no. And that just has to do with the architecture of the way that the system works. But uh, if you're in broadcasting, if you're hoping to do a broadcast, be it any kind of broadcast live, um, the fact is is that using something on Microsoft Windows is not that big of a deal because Mm -hmm. it does such a great job. And it's such an excellent piece of software. Now that we're able to bring in sources like an iPod Touch as a live video camera, and that I can take this anywhere that has internet and be able to remote into, create a VPN, set up a VPN on your uh, on your iPod or iPhone, and then you'd be able to just connect locally, and you don't even have to open it up to the world. It's pretty cool, pretty cool for three hundred bucks. Wow! So, right for the for to buy. I'm saying you probably already have an iPhone, maybe, but to to go out and buy a, a camera that is wireless, you'd pay well in excess of a thousand bucks so to be able to do this now like this is pretty astounding pretty unreal gotta gotta say and switch back over there and you'll see me on my phone (laughs) yeah and and you're back in space (laughs) see that just flip right around and how cool is that 
What this is, is oh, oh, sorry, you've got another question. Yeah, wow, from Alpec. Coming, that's awesome. What about wine? What is? Well, I don't even know what wine, wine is. Wine is, uh, well, it's uh, the ability to run Windows programs on Linux. Okay. And here with uh, Telestream Wirecast, it is much too hardware intensive to okay. run under wine, unfortunately. So it's not something you could run under wine at all. Um, you're not going to have access to your cameras and things. Wine is good for... Um, Standard applications, more standard. I think about office applications, some games, things like that. But when you start getting into something that is so uh, so in enter- intertwined with your CPU, your GPU, your video camera sources, all those things combined, it's just much too heavy to run under something like Wine. So, thanks for the question. Any other questions just before we uh, move on? TikTok saying, you know, wine is hit and miss. Yeah, a little bit, but it's a cool way to be able to uh, run some Windows programs on Linux. Okay. Because sometimes it does come in handy. In fact, if I may, just because we are talking a little bit about Telestream Wirecast tonight, uh, I'm going to, on my computer here, I can't show you just yet, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to open a program called Desktop Presenter in Wine. Desktop Presenter is a feature of... Uh, uh, Telestream Wirecast and with Desktop Presenter which is an executable program now I'm able to actually stream my desktop. So again we're talking about how Telestream Wirecast is able to take an iPod and turn it into a camera source. Well it's also taking my Linux desktop through this program in Wine. Notice it's a Windows executable file and broadcast my my desktop, my Linux desktop, as if it were a camera. So that's actually a camera source in Telestream Wirecast. You see it there, down at the bottom left? Uh, I'll switch. There you go. So you can see that is actually my desktop as a camera source here in Telestream Wirecast. It's pretty awesome. So Wine does have its, its place, of course. And even in the broadcast chain, yes, it does. Um, and it can be used for some really cool stuff such as Skype interviews, Skype video using Desktop Presenter and Wine combined to stream those over as a camera source. Hmm. The, the abilities are endless, folks, and it's, it's really quite exciting the way broadcasting has come out of the big broadcasting studios, the multi-million dollar studios, and are now in Studio D where we've got consumer-grade hardware and iPod Touch as a live camera source that we can walk around with. Pretty neat. Pretty neat indeed. It is mind-blowing. I think so. And if you have any more questions for us about broadcasting, make sure you send them in. Uh, it's live at category5.tv. I'm certainly going to let you know when that new show is available. I don't even want to tell you the name of it yet because you're going to start searching for it and it's not ready for you. But uh, it is going to be available in our Roku channel. It's also going to be available on our website, category5.tv. And again, there it is for you. And that's all the time that we have for that, folks. But I welcome your questions and really appreciate them. I hope that you enjoyed seeing some of the the things that we can do with Telestream Wirecast. And again, that software is available for you at cat5.tv slash Wirecast. It is a commercial application for Microsoft Windows or Mac. Uh, However, there is a free trial if you go to that website, cat5.tv slash Wirecast. Try it for yourself. If you've got an iDevice, set up Wirecast Cam. Pull it in, just like we did tonight. See if that's going to meet your needs. I think it's uh, you're going to be pleasantly surprised and quite impressed. So, thanks, everybody. All right, you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Take it away. It's Tuesday, December 23rd, 2014, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Hackers have compromised a German steel mill. 
A nuclear power plant in South Korea is facing threats from hackers calling themselves the Anti-Nuclear Reactor Group. Imagine losing a majority of your followers on Instagram. That's what happened during what is being deemed the Instagram rapture. Spare parts are now being emailed to the International Space Station. And a self-destructing smartphone has arrived for spies. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Operation Christmas Child is one of the great stories that's unfolding in our lifetime. We are only seeing just the beginning of this project. And these children will change the world. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. A blast furnace at a German steel mill suffered massive damage following a cyber attack on the plant's network. Details of the incident emerged in the annual report of the German Federal Office for Information Security, or BSI. In its report, BSI said the attackers were very skilled and used both targeted emails and social engineering techniques to infiltrate the plant. In particular, said BSI, the attackers used a spear phishing campaign aimed at particular individuals to trick people into opening messages that sought and grabbed login names and passwords. The phishing helped the hackers extract information they used to gain access to the plant's office network and then its production systems. The BSI report said that once inside the steel mill's network, the technical capabilities of the attackers became evident as they showed familiarity with both conventional IT security systems and the specialized software used to oversee and administer the plant. The attack caused parts of the plant to fail and it meant a blast furnace could not be shut down normally. The unscheduled shutdown of the furnace is what caused the damage. BSI did not name the company operating the plant, nor where the attack took place. In addition, it said it did not know who was behind the attacks, nor what motivated it. Hmm. That is an incredibly scary idea, Robbie. Sasha, it makes me wonder about all the security researchers and and professional security gurus who have for years been saying to the governments and to... Uh, nuclear power management companies and steel mills and you know big industries don't have your machines connected to the internet mm-hmm. hello sony pictures <laughs> learn from that um, one of the things that you got to consider is that these machines these cnc machines and big steel mill production machines some of them were put into production 50 years ago Maybe, maybe more, but certainly um, they're older than the internet, and they weren't built with security in mind. They were built with a specific function. So then, all of a sudden, to connect them all together and make them controllable from the outside world, it sounds like a convenience thing. But realistically, those things weren't built for security. Mm-hmm. So, isn't it to be expected that if if you take those old devices, that you know, you just can't do that. It's, Make them connected. It's not safe. But furthermore, it's scary to not know who's behind the attack or the motivation. Right? It just leads you down a slippery slope of fear. We're hearing a lot about uh, these threats of hacker attacks. 
tonight you mentioned another story that's coming up as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, these these threats of cyber warfare, we're really starting to see a lot of that because we're, the technology has surpassed what what is on our network. You know, if I have old devices that are connected to the same network that is internet connected, you can't upgrade those devices. You can't take an old CNC machine and upgrade its firmware with modern software. Mm-hmm just doesn't take it it doesn't work they're still running xp mm-hmm. right we've got a problem and the false sense of security means that it would be easy to target individuals to open messages and possibly get into the system itself yeah well, old school industries too lead to people who maybe don't have a security mindset maybe don't have the training because they're working with old school mm-hmm. devices old school mindsets mm-hmm. now you alluded to this story yep. on friday designs and manuals of Plant equipment owned by Korea Hydro and nuclear power company were put online by an unknown individual or group. Using an account named President of the Anti-Nuclear Reactor Group, the hacker posted blueprints of nuclear reactors on social media. A threat was made that unless three reactors were closed by Christmas, people should stay away from them. Korea Hydro said the leaked data did not undermine the safety of the reactors. Korea Hydro and Nuclear Power Company, the sole nuclear operator in Korea, is part of the state-run utility Korea Electric Power Corporation. In a statement, the operator said it would conduct a series of large-scale drills at four nuclear power plant complexes yesterday and today. Authorities said in a said. Authorities said a probe into the hacking and leak of internal documents had been launched. Oi. So there is seriously some very scary, interesting things happening in Korea as well. So let's hope that uh, Hmm. that doesn't become the norm. (laughs) I don't know. Now... Here's an Instagram news story. Photo sharing app Instagram has removed millions of accounts believed to be posting spam, angering many legitimate users. People who lost a lot of followers followers criticized the action, dubbing it the Instagram rapture. Like its parent company, Facebook, Instagram routinely removes accounts to limit spam and prevent users buying followers to appear more popular. Rapper, right. rapper yeah. Akon reportedly lost 56% of his followers in the call. The big losers were Justin Bieber, minus 3,538,228 followers, and an online marketing specialist called Wellington Campos, which lost 3,284,304 followers overnight. One account, Shrag Shrag 78, lost 99% of his followers, 3,660,460, before he himself was deleted. (laughs) Instagram's own account on the site lost 18,880,211 followers overnight. Wow. In the rapture. Reminds me, I mean, we think about them spam, you know, killing spammer accounts and you think well why are they killing off these accounts are they people who have said something bad or what is it yeah what is spamming on instagram or other social media networks well fact is is, uh, as you alluded to they uh, some of these famous individuals in order to increase their fame in fact purchase followers Mm -hmm. 
So there's this entire industry surrounding the ability to purchase followers. Well, what happens when a company rises up and says, we will sell you 1 million followers? Where do they get those followers from? They've got a staff, a task force that sits there creating bogus accounts to follow in exchange for cash. We know this is true because of uh, what happened on uh, YouTube with Lady Gaga, uh, who had been buying views for her videos in order to increase their popularity on YouTube. So, you know, if it looks like my video has been viewed 10 million times, it's obviously popular, so more people click on it, right? It's strategy and marketing and dishonesty. But that's what happens on all of these social media platforms. So it's why some of the big companies have an unbelievable amount of followers. And if you actually look at the list, you realize, oh, there's a lot of really fake-looking accounts here. Uh, And so, you know... What's hmm. going on there? All of our followers are legit. They're totally legit. <laughs> They're honest, legitimate followers. And uh, so, you know, these these poor artists who, in order to increase their fame on Instagram, paid to buy a whole bunch of followers. Well, you can't be too upset about that. Akon. Sorry, guys. Justin Bieber. Although they paid a lot of money. <laughs> I guarantee you a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Here's a great story that is relevant to just an episode we did a couple of weeks ago. Astronauts on the International Space Station have used their 3D printer to make a wrench from instructions sent up in an email. Nice. I know. It It begins, folks. It begins. It is the first time hardware has been emailed to space. NASA was responding to a request by ISS Commander Barry Wilmore for a ratcheting socket wrench. Previously, if astronauts requested a specific item, they could have waited months for it to be flown up on one of the regular supply flights. So this is far more immediate. Mike Chen, founder of Made in Space, the company behind the 3D printer, said, We had overheard ISS Commander Barry Wilmore, who goes by Butch, mention over the radio that he needed one. So we designed one in CAD and sent it up to him faster than a rocket ever could have. If a 3D printer can churn out something as useful as a tool in space, what else is possible? Spare parts, components, even equipment. And that's just the beginning. It really is just the beginning, Robbie, because I can only imagine, like, once you have the materials up there to actually create the printing, it's very Jetsons. Like, it's super amazing. It's, It's like we're one step away from the Star Trek replicator, the ability to create things from thin air. Well, we saw the, the POEO 3D here on Category 5 just a couple of weeks ago, as Sasha said. And uh, how cool that you can just build something like that. But to think that we're at the point, and I know that you know if you follow technology, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, I know. But realistically, think about where we were 20 years ago versus the ability to craft something on a computer screen, email it, email to outer, to not outer space, but to space, to an orbiting satellite space station where a cosmonaut is sitting there and gets that email and replicates or creates the device that you created back on Earth just five minutes prior and is holding it in his hand. 
That's that's where we've come to. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. That'll change everybody's Christmas gift list. You can just start emailing people what you want and have them print it for that's you. That's a scary thought, but I am definitely, definitely interested in bootlego. <laughs> you know, just start printing out my Lego and save me some cash monies. How cool is that? I heard the patent expired or some crazy thing like that, so might be good to invest in a 3D printer. Hmm. And if you, yeah, if you get a Poeo, then yeah. everybody wins. I just want it to make me Earl Grey hot. <laughs> yeah. D, Earl Grey hot. <laughs> that's, that's when we have truly arrived at the peak of technological breakthroughs, folks. This is great technological news here as well. <laughs> Boeing and BlackBerry are working together to make an ultra-secure phone for U.S. security staff, which will allow them to communicate securely and blow itself up, <laughs> if it falls into the wrong hands, of course. Oh, now we've gone from the Jetsons to Inspector Gadget. Yeah. BlackBerry's CEO, John Chen, gave away some details of the project when presenting the company's earnings. Many of the details of the project have been kept secret, but Boeing provides some on its site. The phone, called Boeing Black, has disk disk encryption, a cryptographic engine, and modular hardware that allows it to be upgraded and changed in use. It uses Android rather than BlackBerry's own operating system. Google software is said to be favored by the U.S. government because it's more secure. Boeing, which is better known for making planes and weapons, has begun offering the phone to potential customers. So there you have it. This message will (laughs) self-destruct in (laughs) T-minus. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Sasha, Hi. over there in the newsroom. Hi. All right, folks, I got, uh, let's see if I can wheel back here. I've got a Vive alkaline water pitcher to give away. This is what it actually looks like out of the box, folks. We thought to open it up and, uh, and show you what it looks like. There you go. So that's kind of a smart idea to make it, you know, rectangular fits in the fridge a little better than the round ones makes a lot more sense right so design wise i think that's smart anyways i've got one of these to give away for you this is a uh oh these wires sasha there we go okay vivewater.ca it's a a water alkalizing and ph balancing water filtering jug so check them out vivewater.ca tonight we're giving one away and the drum roll i'm gonna punch in the numbers here this is exciting. It really is. Okay, from 40 ballots that we received, we got an even 10 on random.org. That's how I did it. There we go. And uh, let's take a look. Let's see who our winner is. Go back to my email here. Cast your ballots. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Our winner is Greg Nicholas. Greg is uh, in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Ooh. Congratulations there, Greg. That's for you. I would uh, I'd email it to you. Um, oh, yeah, you can just print it out. Yeah, you just print it. Just Is that, <laughs> is that doable here on Earth? I don't know. There you go. Create the picture in CAD. Yeah, that's for you. So check them out. Again, it's Vive. V-Y-V. Water. 
vivewater.ca. Vivewater.ca. Check them out. Find out what they're all about. It's like a sports drink without the calories, without the sugar, and uh, it is just the purest, most awesome alkalized water that you've ever had. I promise you that. Okay, uh, let's jump into some viewer questions if I can. Think I can do it, Sasha? Yeah. This is interesting, being uh, kind of the... I'm the host, co-host kind of thing today. Can I ask you a question? You sure can, yeah. Um, I see here, have you ever wondered what color the time is? What is that? Well, have you ever had that pondering? Well, I have some time issues. or t- well, <laughs> We all know I... I and you want to know what color boggled. the time is. So I want to know what, co- what color the time is. <laughs> what color is the time? Well, Sasha asked the question, and so I have to answer it for you because that's, that's her question. So what color, with the U, is it.scn9a.org. I'll post the link for you in the show notes. Now, we all know, if you've done any web design whatsoever, that colors come in a hexadecimal value, and... This website is kind of a neat idea. It shows the color of the current time based on its hexadecimal value. You watch as that green changes to another color as it works through its hexadecimal value. That <laughs> is what color is it? Dot scn9a.org. And again, color with a U. That is incredible. Pretty neat. I thought it was a kind of a smart idea. What color was it when you first checked? Black. Oh. It really was. So I, I, guess w- I feel like everybody zero, in the chat zero, room zero. should just check out this website yeah. and then tell me what color it there, is see, it's for going them. A bit more teal, going <laughs> a little bit more toward the blue spectrum, I guess. Anyway, just kind of an interesting thing. Thanks for the question, Sasha. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to... I'm going to jump into email here and see what I can do. Uh, you know... Um, now, Ken emailed and said, you know, I sent in a question and, and I haven't heard my answer yet. And I did get try to give you an answer last week. Uh, sometimes it's tough to get to all the questions. We do, we do our best uh, here at the show. And we're going to be uh, streamlining that in the new year as well as we try to work toward uh, really focusing our efforts here at Category 5 TV so that we have the individual segments... Um, set aside so that we've got more time for viewer questions because we do get a lot of email and sometimes that's that's tough to get through and i appreciate your understanding in that not just ken but uh, all of you who have sent in questions if you haven't got an answer uh, feel free to send your question again just in case as i say we do get a lot of email and our spam filters do have to be fairly uh, vigorous because of the amount of spam that we receive as well uh, because we are fairly transparent about what our email address is Uh, But that is the nature of the web. So our first uh, comment slash question comes from John Zim. John is a little bit lengthy, so we'll see if if I can get through this. All right, John? And and for the rest of you, uh, if you've sent your questions in, I'm going to do this uh, in order in which it was received. So we'll see what I can do. We've got about eight minutes left of the show. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Hi. You guys are awesome actually said that. I didn't add that. Thanks, John. Um, I've been unable to watch for quite some time, but now I'm back. Nice to have you back, man. Uh, I just watched your series about Unraid. That's going back. uh, Episode 103. Uh, That's going back a long ways, but uh, definitely still relevant. Wow, I wish I would have tried Unraid years ago. 
Uh, I've been fighting the complications of the other big dog NAS systems uh, for simple home use, and I still had permission problems, lag, buffering problems, etc. But Unraid is smooth as silk, and I love that it can grow as my needs grow. Now that I am all in with Unraid, I've got a few questions. Okay, for those of you who are saying, what is Unraid? Check out episode 103. Yes, it's an oldie, but it is a goodie. Uh, and that server that I built on episode 103 is still in operation here at Category 5 TV. It's our file storage server. We've replaced drives as they failed. We've upgraded drives to give us more space. We've added drives to give us more space. But fact is, the server itself is still in operation. We even replaced the motherboard, uh, which you saw on the show uh, about a year ago, I suppose. The contest music is still playing. Is it? Oh, that's awesome. Ah. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. Silent. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, that was a really stinking intense question, John. Really stinking intense. Thank you, chat room. (laughs) Thank you, Sasha. So were you able to catch all that? All right. Question number one. Do you still use Unraid for the studio? The answer is yes. Yes, we do. Two. Do you still suggest high water setting for disk usage? Well, that depends on what you're doing. High water is nice because if you're using a bunch of varied size capacity drives and one drive has less space than the others, it will use the one that has the most space left. So if I add a three terabyte drive to my array, it's going to fill up that drive before it tries to put stuff on a 400 gig drive. And that's the way that I want it. D. Because we've changed the letters now. Oh, no. C. Do you still use one for the split disk setting? I'd have to go back to episode 103. Remember, I built that server way back then, and it works flawlessly. I've rarely had to even look at the uh, at the interface to see what's going on. So that one I'd have to look at. I haven't changed any settings. So, yes, I still use it. Uh, D, if I have a choice, if I'm streaming to an Android TV set-top box, a Probox e, uh, 2EX, would it be better to use the Samba or NFS, or does it matter? No, it really doesn't matter. I mean, um, Samba is so easy to set up on Unraid and any device, and, and fact is, is that it is compatible with everything because Samba is the Windows file sharing protocol. So SMB is going to be compatible with all your devices out of the box. You know that your Windows machines are going to access it, and no problem. Um, but uh, you probably want to if you, you want to have it behind a firewall so that people can't access your files whenever you start sharing anything, right? Um, so have a good NAT firewall that you don't open up your Unraid box to the web. That's plain and simple. But those are just basic security practices, and you want to be wise about that. Okay, before I start adding cool plugins, what's the best way to back up the OS thumb drive? Can I just copy the contents to another thumb drive? What about the hidden files? Or do I need to do something like Clonezilla? Well, here's the thing. The flash drive. Okay, you know when you bought Unraid, you had to give the uh, the identification key of the flash drive so that Tom could activate it and that it would become active for your flash drive. If your flash drive ever failed, you'd have to reactivate. Now, they would activate a new flash drive after you say, my flash drive died. Um, so in that case, the only thing that you really need to back up is your configuration files because you're going to be able to reinstall uh, Unraid Uh, from a download on your new flash drive anyways. It's the config files that are the big deal. That said, you can definitely copy and paste. So 
Uh, you'll go on to your Unraid uh, box uh, using whatever you use to browse your network, and you'll go into what's called Flash. So you'll see a network share called Flash. Uh, could also be called Unraid. And uh, you go into that, and you copy the files, and you paste them wherever you want. Or, better yet, you set it up as a part of your regular backup routine so that it would go out to that Samba share, and it would grab those files and back them up for you. F, do I use any of the plugins or Unmenu? I used to use Unmenu before uh, version 6. And so um, Unmenu was a really great way to get a better interface. Now uh, the guys uh, over at Unraid, uh, at Lime, Lime Technology, have really done wonders with the interface. And so I feel like Unmenu is no longer needed, although there are some great features there. Of course, the plugins aspect of the new uh, system is exceptional as well. Um, so you, you definitely uh, can consider just using out-of-the-box uh, Unraid. G, are you going to upgrade to Unraid version 6 right away? Yeah, I've been following along with some of the betas. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because I've got a 4 terabyte um, uh, parity drive. And so I did need to upgrade uh, a little earlier than some other people would have if they had smaller drives. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm already on version 6 uh, in the beta, and uh, we're looking at uh, upgrading to the full release as well. I uh, was talking to Tom uh, and a couple of the other folks over at Lime, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be bringing them on the show again. Uh, we're we're actually going to be talking to them uh, over Skype video so that we can talk about some of the great new features on uh, Unraid version six. So, uh, John, you definitely don't want to miss that. I'm going to let you know as soon as we've got that solidified. Um, right now, it's really down to uh, they want to make sure that everything is ready to go, and then we're going to uh, bring them on and have a chat about Unraid version six. All right, so sorry for the intensity there, folks, but uh, that, was, that was good. Thanks for all the questions, man. I, I don't have a lot of time. I, Gang, I see I see your questions. Yeah, what's up, Sasha? I, uh, are, is there time for another question? Real or? quick, I got, I've got like 40 seconds. Oh, well then. What is it? Um, it's, um, is there an easy way, way to list all the manual page, pages with... You have installed many apps with a lot of them have terminal commands only. How can I find them if I can't remember the commands? Uh, on, on, oh, in your in your Linux machine? Uh, yes. We're talking Linux? So uh, the, the command is history. Oh, okay. type, in, type in history. Uh, you can also use the up arrow in terminal to scroll through your history. Uh, but if you type in history, it will output. If you have an inkling of what it might have been, you can grab. So you type history space Pipe. That's the line up and down above your, uh, just below your backspace. If you hold and shift and press the slash button. Uh, so pipe space grep, G-R-E-P space apostrophe. And then what you want to search for and then another apostrophe and hit enter. So if, for example, you did a command that was find dot dash m time 60 and you want to remember, oh, how was it that I found files that were 60 days or newer? So you could type history, pipe, grep, and then in apostrophes as quotes, find, and then enter. And it will search your history now for any anywhere that you use the command find. So you don't have to remember the whole thing, but it will then output the line in your history so that you've got a real quick way to find. Thanks, everybody, in the chat room. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Sasha, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for uh, making the trek. Uh, Thank you. Day before. This is Christmas Eve. So... 
want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas from all of us here at Category 5 Technology TV. Don't forget, we did a Christmas special, episode number 275. Sasha, you sang on the Christmas special. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It was, it was awesome. And uh, if you want to hear her sing again, episode 275, <laughs> I think I'm on there somewhere as well. Uh, it's a lot of fun to go back in time. But, uh, it's something to enjoy uh, this festive season. So Merry Christmas, and uh, if I don't see you before, Happy New Year. Uh, but we will be here again live next Tuesday night. Uh, we'll probably have a, a slightly larger crew here with us. Uh, but uh, welcome to the show if you're new, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. So see ya. Hi, Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 